Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. Yes, faithful. Thank you so much. Tonight, for a few minutes, I want to just uh, give you another picture of this man, John the Baptist, because if we're going to take the time to study the book of John, I want you to know more about the, the characters, the people, than the, perhaps you've known in the past, so that you can identify with these people. And that this book can be a blessing in your life. John the Baptist was a rugged dude. I mean, I love the pioneers anyway. And this, this, this guy was a, the pioneer soul winner. I mean, that's, that's John the Baptist. The pioneer soul winner. A rugged individualist. Didn't look like a witness. Didn't always appear to be a witness. Didn't dress like a witness. Perhaps didn't smell like a witness. But what a powerful witness. Here's something I want you to realize tonight. You talk about VIPs, very important people in the Word of God. John the Baptist is a VIP. In fact, his name is mentioned 89 times more than any other individual. But now get this. He only lasted six months. Hello? He had a six-month ministry. It doesn't take long for God to make an impact, does it? You know, we think if it doesn't work out, if we don't, uh, if God doesn't do all these things over all these years, friend, God can do more in five minutes than man can do in 50 years. Mark it down. And you know, I get discouraged. I think, you know, revival will never come. But you see, if we ever got the conditions right and got honest and sincere with God, God could do more in five minutes than we could work up in 50 years. He's not limited. He's also not worried. He's in charge. He knows what's going on. Let's read about John the Baptist in Matthew 3. Matthew 3. Listen now as we talk about this dude. Listen to him. John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Now, look what the dude's wearing. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts 
and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region of the Jordan. To see what the dude was wearing? Well, maybe that's part of it. You see, I don't mind folks coming for curiosity because when they come, they might accidentally run into Jesus. Amen? <laughs> I don't care why they come. I just want them to come. I believe in the power of the gospel. So they went out. No doubt they heard there's this wild man out here who eats locusts and wild honey and dresses funny. And so they went from everywhere out there to, to hear this guy. But what, what happened when they went out there? Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. I mean, they went out there to check this dude out because it was so wild what he was up to, but they ran smack into God. But when he saw me, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the Pharisees were the legalists. They were all with all the questions and, you know, all concerned about do this, do this, do this, do that. The Sadducees were the ones who didn't, they were the liberals who didn't believe. See, the, the, the Pharisees were the conservatives, way to the right conservative. You remember the, the religious leaders, the ones who nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. They're the ones who said crucify him. And then the Sadducees are the liberals. They don't believe in the resurrection. That's why they are sad, you see. So when he saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, look now, this, this dude preaches like a dude. You brood of vipers. How would you like it if somebody started off at you and called you a brood of vipers? Would you punch Mabel or what? Say, <laughs> so what did he say? Is he talking about us? Who does he think he is? Maybe some would walk out. You brood of vipers who warn you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Repent. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Don't, don't pride yourself in the fact that you're chosen race and God's people. That's not going to get you off the hook. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. You think you're special. God can raise up children out of stones. He's not limited to you. Talk about attacking the pride of these people. The axe is already at the root of the trees. <laughs> and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. You've heard of hellfire and damnation preachers? That's the dude right here. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering the wheat into his barn, and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Wow. No other New Testament personality do we have as much detail about as we do John the Baptist, and yet his ministry only lasted six months. But he was a man who was willing to be expended for the glory of God. Who would hazard his life for God's will. Look in Luke. Luke chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke. 
He was a child of godly parents. See how he got his start. Cousin to Jesus. Luke chapter 1. Verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Godly parents. His birth was supernatural. Look at uh, verse 7. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well along in years. That means they were old. And she hadn't been able to have any children. God loves to do the impossible. In fact, the Old Testament says with God, nothing is impossible. Look in verse uh, 15. Well, verse 14, he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his birth. John the Baptist was a spirit-filled man even from his birth. Look over in chapter 7. Verse 27, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Look at verse 28. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Now, he was a forerunner of Jesus Christ preparing the way. Let's look over at Matthew. A man like this, you say, a man who would burn out for God, a man who would be willing to be expendable for God, who would hazard his life for God, a man who would preach those kind of sermons. Now, this man must be so full of self-esteem and self-confidence and God-confidence that he never has a down moment. Don't you, you know, you, you look at God's people many times and you think, well, they never get down. They never get discouraged. And that's just not true. We all do. Look in, in Matthew chapter 11. When John, verse 2, when John heard in prison, now John the Baptist is in prison. When he heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? I mean, now I, the one who, who pointed the way, the one who pointed to the light, the one who said, I'm not the word, I'm just the way. I'm not the light, I'm just the lamp. I'm not worthy. I, I put myself down. I, I lift him up. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Son of God. He is the sin bearer. He's the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I baptize the water. He with the Holy Spirit. Now he's in jail and he says, go ask him, is, is he really the one or should I keep on looking? That's discouragement, isn't it? Don't you love the answer? Jesus replied, 
Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. Amen. The lame walk. Praise God. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preach the poor. <laughs> Sound like God showed up. Amen. Go back and tell him what you have seen, what you've heard, what you see happening. Only God could do something like this. Even John the Baptist experienced a great time of doubt and testing. Then look over in Mark and see what happens to him. Because you know there's a, there's a, there's a philosophy, there's a religion, there, is, there are books written that say that if you just do right and put God first, everything will work out wonderful in your life. There are television stations, there there's there are networks that seem to promote a prosperity gospel and that if you just put God first and live your life for God, then everything will turn out wonderful. Friend, God never promised that. In fact, many times when you get sold out to God, the bottom falls out of your life, at least temporarily. Mark chapter 6, verse 14. All right, look at verse 17. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. See, he married his brother's wife. The dude didn't think much of that. John had been saying to Herod, this guy's a man of courage. Anybody who wear what he wore and eat what he ate, he's a man of courage. And he said, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Well, that made the woman mad. And so she nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him. Knowing him to be a what? A righteous and holy man. This woman wanted him killed. But the king knew that this man was holy and righteous. It was so evident. You can't miss God in somebody's life. It's evident. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. He liked to listen to this guy. Finally, the opportune time came on his birthday. Herod gave a banquet for his high officials, the military commanders, and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. I got a feeling at this point, Herod had been hitting the bottle. And he made a very dumb statement. He said, the girl asked me anything you want, and I'll give it to you. I think he was drinking because no man would make that statement in his right mind. <laughs> Hello? And he promised her with an oath. Not only said, I'll give you anything you ask for, but I'll make it in an, into an oath. I'll swear by it. Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. The guy is loaded. He's juiced. Jesus went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? Well, why didn't you ask for the head of John the Baptist? Never ask your mother-in-law for advice. This is a mother-in-law talking here. I'm telling you. 
She went and asked her mother. And her mother said, this is your chance. Cut the man's head off. Get his head. At once the girl heard in the king with the request, I want you to give me right now. That's before he sobered up. She knew that she needed to do this before he sobered up. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he didn't want to be embarrassed. That's manly pride. He did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. What a story. You say, well, that's just not right. Why didn't God protect him? He was God's man. Well, keep in mind that this guy in six months did so much that we're talking about him tonight in First Baptist Bossier. He is the VIP in the New Testament. He's the pioneer soul winner. You see, God looks at the whole picture. He was a man sent by God. There came a man sent from God. His name was John. He came for a witness. And that word witness is the word martyr. See, you won't do a lot of witnessing unless you're willing to die to self and to pride. Unless you stop caring what people think about you and more concerned about what God knows about you. The pioneer soldier. Next Sunday we're going to talk about bringing people to Jesus. He obeyed a divine commission. God sent him. He hath sent me. I've got some news for you. We've all been sent with a divine commission. We, like John, have been sent to share our faith. He described a specific task. He says, I'm a pointer. I'm, I, I'm not the way, I point to the way. I'm not the light, I point to the light. I'm not the answer, I, I show you the answer. I'm not the Savior, I take you to the Savior. I'm simply a voice for God. You ever thought about that privilege? You see, if we don't tell, who will? We're God's voice. We're God's mouthpiece. What a privilege. God has chosen to use you and me to be his voice to share the good news. He introduced a wonderful person. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the one who baptizes with a Holy Spirit that seals you forever. He proclaimed a glorious message, presenting Jesus in two ways, as the sin bearer, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as the one who baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now that's a reference to the beginning of the church as we read about in the book of Acts. When the Holy Spirit came. And we read over in Corinthians where it says, well, let's turn to 1 Corinthians right quickly. Look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. 
verse 13, for some of us were baptized. Is that in your? For most of us were baptized by the Spirit. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body where the Jews are Greek, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. My friend, to be baptized, all to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's how you become regenerated. That's how you come into God's family. That's the, the, the origination of the church is when God sent the Holy Spirit and baptized us into a body. We became the body of Christ, the church of the living God. Holy Spirit baptism. And then he had incredible results. We're talking, about the, we're talking about the dude from the desert. Only, only lived six months. Martyred. But Andrew came to Jesus. John came to Jesus. Peter came to Jesus. James came to Jesus. All because of John the Baptist. And his ministry, as best I can tell, is still going on. Amen? Still going on. Six months. But what an impact. Maybe nobody's ever accomplished much more than John the Baptist. And yet he had a six-month ministry. Let me just ask you a question. If we just took the last six months of your life, what kind of impact did you make for God in the past six months? How many people did you win to Christ, lead to Christ? What did you do for God the past six months that really counts? You see, you never know when you lead somebody to Christ what God may do with that life or who that person is. What kind of plan God has for that person. Another Billy Graham. George Strait. You'd be surprised how many great men of God in history came to know Christ, say in a revival meeting, and they were the only decision that entire week. But what an impact. Because a church cared about revival and a church preached the gospel, that person came to know Christ. What about your last six months? Let me ask you this. If you knew that you only had six months to live, would you want to make any changes in how you live your life? How you share your faith? How you spend time with the Lord? How you get ready for eternity? We were talking about that on the way from the hospital a few minutes ago. How Mindy Rowe was just driving home from work. 
doing nothing but just going down that road in her car. And all of a sudden, in a split second, everything changed. And somebody was dead. And all three could have been killed. Six months. If you knew you had these six months, what would you do? You know, the truth is, we ought to live every day as if this were the only day we had to live for Christ. Because how many of you can promise me tomorrow? How many of you can guarantee tomorrow? You see, tomorrow is the devil's word. This book doesn't say you can be saved tomorrow. It says do it today. It doesn't say witness tomorrow. It says do it today. You only got one day to live for God. The past belongs to God. The future belongs to God. The day. What do you do with this day? John the Baptist was a pioneer soul winner. Let him be a challenge to us. To live our faith. To share our faith consistently. And leave the results to God. Let's pray. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www.fredlowry.com where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry. 